0: Hey guys, it's James Chester here. You're listening to the Gather Round the Lamp podcast by underagaslitlamp.com.
1: Gather Round the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast.
2: A Wesley! That is <laughs> a gigantic goal from a man who was made in the whole
0: games, and he delivers in London when it really matters for Aston Villa. Yes, open!
1: Hello and welcome back to Gather Around the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by underagaslitlamp.com. We're back for another tour around Planet Villa, although we may have to take a stop off or two just to uh, discuss certain other things that have been going on in the football world this week. As ever, I'm Andy, and today I'm joined by Craig, and a warm welcome back to Mr. Mark Jerobe.
0: Hi, guys. Great to be back. I am Craig. You can follow me at Craig Storrid and send me all of your interactions. I enjoy getting them. Uh, Just thanks, everyone, for the support and listening to the podcast. Uh, We really appreciate you, and um, looking forward to getting down and dirty with some uh, uh, Super Six stuff.
2: (laughs) All the Super Six (laughs) stuff. I love it. All right. Yeah, uh, obviously I'm back. This is great. I'm really happy to be hanging out with you guys. Been loving the podcast, keeping up with it. If you don't know, I'm Mark Jerebi. You can find me on Twitter, at VillamarkPGH. Really excited to sit down and talk to you guys about everything that's been going on in the wide world of football for the past week. And I I think it's going to be a little bit of a unique take. You get a a born American talking about some people that wanted to
1: Americanize the game of football. So here we go. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, I mean that's. Uh, we'll, we'll, I'll be interested in your your point of view, but we'll we'll start with that. I think um, you know it's, it's it's only right. Really, uh, the story dropped on football like an atom bomb. Really, at the at the weekend, um, the proposed European Super League was announced. The story started started to break kind of Sunday afternoon, uh, with certain outlets coming coming out with the the story, and on Sunday night it was confirmed that 12 clubs, including six Premier League clubs, had signed up as founding members of of a new league aimed at replacing the current Champions League format. This was met by pure outrage by the football community as fans, reporters, pundits and and even some players and coaches vehemently rejected the proposals and demanded that the scheme be binned. The other 14 Premier League clubs held a, a meeting I think on uh, Monday or Tuesday, with several options on the table, which included expulsion of those six, the Big Six as it's called, from the the Premier League, um, as all sides of, of football world really sort of rounded on the clubs involved. As we record this on on Thursday evening, we're now sort of two days along from from the fact that those six English clubs um did end up actually pulling out of this, this ESL tournament um an apparent U-turn in response to their, their own fans disgust. As we appear to be in the kind of as you were situation with it, it kind of at least on the back burner for now. Um, with the you know and the six clubs back in the fold. What are your thoughts and feelings about you know the whole debacle that we've witnessed over the last few days and how how do you see this situation being dealt with going forward
0: well i think an atom bomb is definitely a a great way to describe it it was a really a seismic shift um obviously we've heard whispers for going on 20 years about a super league and a breakaway league Uh, but i think that most all of us were completely shocked and um And offended, actually, when the the plans came to light, the idea that you would take away all the competition, the idea that you would pick these teams, you know, in an arbitrary fashion, based on, you know, this particular moment in time. And some of the language, I found myself shouting at the television with just some of the language, which which is why I called them the super six earlier. Because um, every time anyone says the top six, well, they're not the top six, are they? Liverpool are currently 7th, Arsenal are ninth. Arsenal finished 8th last year, and Arsenal are, if anything, an absolute mid-table outfit. I mean, as Emi Martinez said, he took a step up going to Aston Villa. And then, they're not the big six either. Arsenal, Manchester City, Tottenham, zero European Cups between them. Uh, Tottenham have the same number of Premier League titles as Northampton Town. Liverpool have the same amount as Blackburn Rovers and Leicester. So my name for them is the Seditious Six, which sounds like a Quinta Tarantino movie.
2: I uh, love that. I love that. <laughs> so I'm
0: calling them the Seditious Six. A little bit of alliteration there for, for good measure. Um, it's just this idea that you could just pin the, the, pin the tail on the donkey at a certain point in history, which is now, um, and say, OK, this is the top six, so you guys can be the top six forever. Well, well no, you can't. I mean, if you look at the, the, the history of football, one of the great things about it is, and, and Dean Smith made this point far better than I will, you you can go up, you can go down. Uh, Manchester United have been a first division club or, or championship club, if you like, in new money. Aston Villa, ourselves recently, have just been in the, cha- in the championship. Nottingham Forest, European Cup winners, are in the championship. Sheffield Wednesday are on their way to League One. Sunderland are in League One. That's Manchester City were in League One not so long ago and now here they are at the top of the tree. So this idea that you can just stop this from, from, from happening, that these, these flows and these cycles is just completely ridiculous and, and, and it's obscene and I'm glad that uh, people have seen sense
2: yeah I, I completely agree with everything you said Craig and I, I'm right there with you and I know this is going to sound a little strange hearing you know, these kind of opinions for someone who sounds the way I do from where I was born and that's totally understandable but I was incredibly taken aback by what these owners tried to do especially when it comes to England specifically um, it really shows how much thought went into this whole process of trying to make a European Super League that they completely disregarded the supporters so for me it looks like a completely commercialized idea that they just want more money and more money and more money and nothing else matters but like for me personally when I started you know, being interested in football and talking to different people and reading books and really diving into the game, I was always told from people that football is for the fans and the owners are merely people that try their best to keep the club running healthy in the finances department and you know stuff like that, marketing and things like that. But I definitely think these owners tried to take the beautiful game that we all know and love and put an American franchise-based closed league stamp on it. That's unacceptable to me. i mean, even as an American, I know that's what they're trying to do. I'm not numb to that. I understand that's the way it goes, but again, it comes down to commercial success uh, to them on such a large scale. It makes me wonder if there's any way to maybe you know we're talking about repercussions and you know it's out there points deductions and you know transfer embargoes. But like, is there any way? And like this, this may be my own ignorance, but can't we just find these owners exclusively and find them on such a you know media work level? That, that money's not coming from the club it actually has to come from them from one of their bank accounts and if you do take that money and you're able to do that why can't we give that to grassroots football or the kick it out campaign and i know that's just spitballing but like this was such an attack on the game and even as an american like i feel for the the supporters of these seditious six clubs so much cuz it's not their fault and it, it, they showed that they didn't want this to happen but i don't know from my perspective as an american football fan and i've been watching almost 14 15 years now i just i just think it was completely unnecessary Andy I don't I don't know I I might be just spitballing about the fine thing but I would love to see something like that happen
1: well I think I think this this point has been made hasn't it with when you talk about things like points deductions and and essentially punishing the team um and the fans I suppose indirectly for 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 this absolute debacle that's happened um you know, you, you're punishing the wrong people. So you you want to kind of, you know, get you know actually punish the 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 men, the the, the the directors and the and the the owners who who actually agreed to this in the first place. However much they they come out now and you know they've got their towel between the legs and they're they're apologising. They they knew what they were doing. You know, it was a it was a very orchestrated attack on on the. On the, the the football pyramid in this country and, and in other countries in Europe. Now, that said, you know, no one says it's unfair, or some people do say it's unfair, but you don't hear the top the top clubs complaining when clubs that go into administration are docked points and players and fans are punished for for poor ownership in that respect. So, likewise, I think. I think points deduction should be on the table. Having said that, I think it's going to be very difficult, and even with the the 14 clubs and the FA and the Premier League and whoever it is behind who's you know who has the clout to do that, it's going to end up in court, isn't it? And it's just such a such a messy and divisive thing to to, to have to do. But it has been brought on by by those six clubs behaving in a completely um, irresponsible and, and and you know and, and carefree you know not giving a crap sort of way. So you know that's um, it's it's a lot to weigh up. I think in terms of punishments. But I mean, it was just an awful it, you know just it just it was just just a sinking feeling. Really, um, I just wondered like if I, I could ask you you guys a bit of a follow up question about this i mean when it ha- when it was happening and it f- it felt like it was for real and it was going to happen was there any part of you that thought actually this might be better
0: yes <laughs> um <laughs> yeah I did I, I, I think I think I may have tweeted or I, I definitely tweeted because I, I think I was up all night tweeting with people and back and forth and um, I think I said something along the lines of okay if they want to leave off you go thank you very much and, and good luck and then I got like a barrage of things well the Premier League's nothing without these teams ah, <laughs> and lots of other stuff and I was like yeah but they don't want to be here anymore so if they don't want to be here, they, they need to leave and we'll find a new normal. Yes, the television revenues will fall. Yes, player wages and, and, and salaries will inevitably follow. But that doesn't mean death. That doesn't mean it's over. It just means a new normal. It means that perhaps Everton, Leeds and um, Aston Villa and and West Ham, if those are the teams competing for the title, do we think that no one in the world is going to be interested in that? Do we not think Colombian fans are going to tune in to watch Hammers, Rodriguez and Yerry Mina playing for Everton? Do we not think that, you know, uh, Marvelous the Camber and his 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 fans are going to tune in, and the Ian with all the Nigerian fans? Do we think that the Premier League will lose all its international viewers? I don't think so. And I said also, it's not going to be necessarily an either-or situation. You, If you're a fan of a football, football, you know whether it be internationally or nationally or whatever, you can probably watch the Super League and you can watch the Premier League. It doesn't mean you have to necessarily pick. So I would have been happy to see them go along their merry way, um, just from a selfish point of view, because I think then Aston Villa, uh, you know, I was thinking, yes, Aston Villa, title challenges next season. <laughs> <laughs>
2: that's kind of where i was at too craig i mean like and again it's because knowing the american model of sports and they wanted to make it no promotion relegation and whoever gets invited in after the original founders of the league or whatever and i was really sitting there thinking i was like you know and i did tweet that i, I wouldn't watch it if it happened but like afterwards i was thinking about it, i was like yeah i would definitely still watch it i'd watch it on the wednesday or thursday or whenever they were playing and you know then i'd watch the the prem on the weekends but i just i just have a problem with the fact that like They wanted to go, and now they're backtracking. I know they had to because of the backlash from the supporters, but you know, I think it's Barça's president that came out today that said, "Oh, it's not over; it's just on pause." Well, I mean, good luck trying to get that across the line now, son, because I really don't think. I mean, unless you're, you know, it's going to be Real Madrid playing Juventus five times in a month. You know, like I don't, I just don't think that it, it ever got off the ground. Would I have liked to see it? Sure, I would have watched it. I would have, you know, enjoyed that level of football being played. But again, it just ties into that whole argument. Like you know, we don't get to see some of those matchups that would have happened with the, the teams that wanted to go to the Super League. We don't get to see those matchups often. And, and, it, and like I think it was Jurgen Klopp that said, you know, that's what makes it special that you don't get to play these teams all the time. So I just don't know how exciting it would have been to watch that league unfold when you're seeing these teams play each other two or even possibly three times in a season and over years and years and years, would that still be as exciting? For me, probably not. But I mean, yeah, if they wanted to go, you know, I'm I'm in the same boat as Craig, like where I'm like, hey, if you want to go, just go. You know, there's no, there's nothing really holding you here. If you want to do this, go for it. But at the end of the day, I'm glad that you know, things seem to be reined back a little bit, and these clubs will have to, you know, play in the Premier League or the other teams' domestic leagues. But yeah, I, I, I still just can't believe how much. I mean, I, I say that I can't believe, I can believe how much greed is in the game, and this this just pretty much proved it for me.
0: I think that um, it's a bit like your favorite food. You know, you can have a favorite food, whether that's donuts, whether that's pizza, whether that's sushi. If you eat sushi every meal every day for 3 weeks eventually no matter how much you love sushi you're not going to want to see the sight of a fish for weeks on end because you've had enough you've been oversaturated you've been overexposed and i think that is one thing that could happen with this hypothetical super league is it can be overexposed it's oversaturated it's not special anymore it's not it's not a special occasion you know it's it's like that old song i wish it would be christmas every day uh, is that nobby holder is that it is and yeah there you go you, you don't want it to be Christmas every day because you'd be bored of it after, after two weeks. You'd add enough. So I, I think it's a similar kind of thing. And, it, it took, and just I wanted to pick up on the punishment thing. I have an idea for the punishment. I think that it should be a 30-point points deduction for all the clubs. Let me finish. <laughs> <laughs> but for all the, the, the seditious six, 30 points each. However, 24 of those points are suspended for the next 10 years. So those are suspended, so if you try this again you, so you 've got a six point deduction that's your, that's your penalty that's your for, so start from getting from next season, all those seditious six clubs start on minus six, which you know is for them it's an even playing field. it gives and, and that's your punishment okay they, that I think maybe they would take their lumps with that one, but twenty four points are suspended, so if you try this sh- stuff again <laughs> within the next ten years. You know you are walking into an automatic twenty-four point deduction. I think, you know, you see with the Glazers ownership, if you find them, they, they don't they they mortgage, they'll just the club is gonna pay. So I think there has to be a points deduction, there has to be a line drawn in the sand, and you have to do something to say you can't just do pick this up again in three years when you when you get bored again and, and feel like making some more money. There has to be something more long term, I think, in the punishment.
1: It's definitely not a bad shout, Craig, that. And I think I think they will look at look at all kinds of anything they can do reasonably legally and reasonably efficiently they'll they'll look to do. I think the main thing is as well though that the in terms of the the twenty clubs in the Premier League and that that kind of um you know that they, they all they're all shareholders aren't they within the Premier League. I think the the trust has gone between them now and I think One thing that might happen is you will get um, the 14 clubs sticking together a hell of a lot more than they maybe would have done on things before. So when when they're trying to push things through, those 14 outside of that big six or whatever are are, um, are, going to find it more and more difficult, I think. um, At least for a certain period of time and then things will will revert to normal. But this is going to take a long time, I think, to... um, to iron out. Um I just wanted to I mean you, you both both of you live in the states and Mark's obviously a, a, a an American by birth and we we see this this kind of situation with the closed shop idea um more in American sports. Um and I just wondered what your your take is on that because obviously this is something that you're you're well used to over there whereas over here the idea of it just kind of doesn't feel right. how had you describe that to to people?
2: Oh, I don't know, Craig, you want to take this one first?
1: Oh, well, yeah, as the, uh,
2: yes,
0: I'm, uh, I I do live in the States. So I but I wouldn't pretend to be an expert. But the thing that I see in American sports, which I don't think is spoken about enough, is American sports, particularly the NFL, for example, they have some real socialism built into their structures. Yes, there are they are franchise leagues. Yes, They don't know they don't have promotion and relegation, but what they do have is they have equal shares of of television revenue in the NFL, anyway. Um, I think up until um, a few years ago, NFL teams actually had to share most of their royalties for merchandise sales. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine Manchester United sharing their worldwide shirt revenue sales with Burnley? That wouldn't happen there. That's quite a socialist idea. And the most socialist thing about the NFL is every year the weakest teams get the number one pick in the new draft so they get to recruit the, the hottest property on the college market i mean the hottest property coming up for sale this year is probably going to be erling harland so a system like that in the premier league would see one of the promoted clubs getting erling harland i mean you couldn't imagine it it wouldn't happen would it so there are lots of socialist principles that are in the nfl so I think some of the some of the comparisons aren't exactly accurate because there are things in there that 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 also you know um, the, the, the salary caps and negotiated bargaining power all that all that kind of stuff is in there as well. So there's lots of language and lots of things that are in the NFL which are nowhere near um, in 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 the US um, stuff. I don't think it's a US UK thing. I think that's a bit of a red herring that people have been using. I think it's and it's. A football governance thing I think you have ultra wealthy owners who make their money and they do as they please and they see a structure where there's no governance there's no rules anyone can have a football club whether you're taxing at Sinatra at Man City whether you're doctor well let's not call him doctor because he may not be a doctor whether you're Tony Jarre at Aston Villa whether you're that cat that's 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 put Burnley to the sword. I think Macclesfield are on the brink now. Bolton have had some terrible owners. Leeds obviously spent years in the wilderness. Any old Tom, Dick or Harry can get hold of a football club because there's no governance. So if you're ultra wealthy, you see there's no governments. You see there's no rules. You can do what you want. Of course, you're going to try and exploit that. And of course, you're going to try and suck every piece of money that you can from your investment, which is what it is to these people. It's an investment. It is a vehicle for them to make additional money. Yeah. So if,
2: that's what it is. Yeah. And even like there's, there's a lot of talk. Oh, this, this would never happen. Like Eden's and Sorare's, they would never let this happen to Aston Villa. At the end of the day, these are still businessmen, and they're really damn good businessmen. And they're, they're, you know, they bought Aston Villa at a premium. We all know that. We all know that they, bu- you know, bought this amazing, historic, beautiful club. Well, now it's their job to push them on not only successfully on on the on the pitch, but also you know in a commercial sense and more money. Um, you know, talking about the American model, but the, you know that Craig's right. You get rewarded for being bad. That's what it is. I mean, it's not even just the NFL, it's the NHL, it's Major League Baseball as well. Um, you know, there's different rules in the different leagues, of course, but like even even the the ice hockey team that I support over here, the Pittsburgh Penguins, you know, it's been a part of my family since before I was born. Um, you know, they were bad for years, ended up drafting a world beater basically. I mean, this is this might rub some of our American, you know, fans the wrong way, but like we we literally drafted the the equivalent of a young cristiano ronaldo the kid's name is Sidney crosby he's a legend of the game he's a hall of famer bar none he's won everything in the game it has the offer internationally and domestically but you know that's that's what it is you're bad and you have the chance to get a generational talent or you're someone who's going to improve your team immediately um you know that, that's a foreign concept in england and even me I, trying to get people into ice hockey that i know from over in the uk they're just like that doesn't make sense to me and i was like well you know it's different it's just a different kind of thing it's, it's just how we do things here and You know, some people are like, oh, you know, just like you know, Craig said about you know what, what if Erling Haaland you know came up in the draft? Of course, you would want to be the worst team, and there's always oh, well, why can't teams just be bad to get picks? It happens. That that happens, you can see it, especially in the NFL. I'm not saying that teams are going out there and throwing games or anything like that. Sometimes it may seem like it. You know, you always hope that a team, you know, goes on any any field of sport to be competitive. But it's it's very very unique situation. But I think that Craig's right in the fact that the red herring between like, oh, it's just the American model of sports. Well, yeah, it's a closed league and everything like that, and franchises and no promotion, no relegation. It's it's the same reasons why I have a hard time following the MLS over here. And I'm I've been trying to the past couple years get into it, but it's still just that whole thing that you're. You're rewarded for not being the best, that you for not being decent or good enough, and like there's no relegation. It's not like they're getting relegated into the second tier of, of U.S. football. So it's just it's just a crazy thing to try to compare the two. And I, I think that you know Craig hit, hit the nail on the head just saying that it's really hard to compare them, and in most cases, it's really not necessary.
1: Yeah I I'm, I'm thanks guys. I'm I'm not going to even try and weigh in on on this one cuz I have no the only thing I know about American sport is that Cleveland Browns are bad or they were bad.
2: <laughs> they're getting better. They're get, they're getting better and <laughs> you better watch out for those Cleveland Browns. And I'm saying this is a Pittsburgh boy. That's that's basically Birmingham City and Villa right there. <laughs> Does uh
1: Learner still own the Browns? No, he doesn't. <laughs> that's probably why oh, they're getting good. better. Yeah, but I mean, you know, like I say, we won't we won't dwell too much on it on it now. But obviously, you touched on it there that we've we've got our our very very wealthy billionaire owners, and as you say, they've you know they, they haven't got all that by by being, um, you know, nice benevolent people, have they? They've you know they've they've had to I'm sure they've had to stamp on a few people to get where they are, or you know, there's certainly inheritance and all that kind of thing, you know. And there's an entitlement as well which comes along with that and I think, I think that's what we've seen the most over the last few days or even, like you say, the last 20 years where, how this has been mooted and the, and the changes to the, the Champions League and so on. It's an entitlement, it's a, a thing of, you know, it's that what they don't understand, what the big clubs don't understand is that to have a Man United, you have to have a Crystal Palace to have a liverpool you have to have a burnley you know there has to be that you know the there has to be that 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 kind of yin and yang to make it work to make it a viable overall product you see in in la liga and 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 um league 1 in in france and even the bundesliga to some degree you know they're very very uncompetitive in terms of when you put them up against the premier league you know They maybe have one or two teams at the top, whereas you know, yeah, we have six, seven, eight teams um, that are all competitive, and you need that going right throughout the league. And that's why you can't have these ever increasing disparities of 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 funds that are available um, for the for the big teams, and you know, as, as opposed to the smaller teams, because you just end up with a nothing a nothing competition that that eventually people will stop caring about. Yeah,
0: I think I, I think I agree. I think it's um, I think I think you make a really good point about the ultra wealthy and just their expectations. I don't think the ultra wealthy live in the same world that we do, and I think that um, they're not used to being told no. They are used to being able to take 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 without pushback or consequence, and I think that lots of the owners probably have been, you know, a little bit shocked that they just can't have their own way with these things because these aren't just football clubs, these aren't sports franchises, these are historical institutions that are at the very fabric of UK and British and English culture. Um, It isn't, it's used kind of these days as a marketing slogan, you know, but it, it isn't, it's real. I went to the football with my dad as a seven or eight year old boy and sat on the whole tend and then had a season ticket and all those things for years upon years it's woven into the fabric of the communities it's not a commodity in the way that they think it is and there's nothing wrong with trying to be rich there's nothing wrong with making money there's nothing wrong with trying to maximize your investment but this isn't a stock this isn't a share this isn't a airline or a um or a a a a blue chip Um, electronics company these are historical institutions which are woven into the fabric of the of the country and the city and the people and you have to treat them carefully
2: yeah that's that's it was in my mind the most I, I thought back you know as I was watching everything unfolded and i was I was pretty much enamored by this whole thing. I, I was so concentrated on you know um you know through Twitter and you know I got Sky Sports over here that I was able to watch, and you know just watching it all unfold and I just kept thinking about all the people that I've talked to over the years from over in Brum and talked to you know all these season ticket holders from various different ages and you know different generations telling me stories about things that I never knew about talking to me about players that existed well before I started following the sport and that's the people that my heart went out to the most is you know again I was just always thought it's about community and it's about you know the impact the football club have in people's lives and you know, we, Villa rolled out that video and updated a little bit. You know, with David Bradley, you know, talking about things. That that video tears me up every time I see it. It always has because I really believe that Aston Villa and all, obviously other clubs as well in England. But it's just so close to the the, to the community. And you know, me and myself and the Pittsburgh Lions over here, like we've you know tried to raise money for Acorns. You know, we do the whole thing where we have our you know yearly meet up somewhere in uh, North America. Um, hopefully we'll be able to, you know, get a plan for that soon for the one that had to be delayed. But, you know, we, we donate a decent money to Acorns. Myself, I've donated to the Aston Villa Foundation. You know, I, I, it's just such a community thing. And even though I don't live there, I still feel an immense connection to the club because of what they do for the community. And I, I just think that having a European Super League takes away from that in a sense. And I think it ha- that especially has to be guarded amongst all costs.
1: Yeah, I couldn't couldn't agree more with any of that, Mark. And um, you know, people that don't know, like you say, you people hear the accent I suppose first and you know, that's that's completely unfair and this isn't a US thing. It never it never struck me as being a US US thing really. It's just there are one or two similarities between what they were trying to do and how US sports are set up and you know, I think uh the sooner we can get you over here, Mark, and, uh, and and get you get you properly in that whole tent so you can uh, you can experience it first Would be a would be a great day, I think. And uh, you know, hopefully that will happen sooner rather than later.
2: Yeah, I'm just waiting for Bojo to say the word. I'll be on my way over. Bro. <laughs> and, and that's the other thing as well.
0: I I want to give a shout out to people like Mark and other international fans. Um, the international fans I think have got a bit of a raw deal um, from some of the punditry in, in, in the UK and some of the commentary as though it's somehow their fault, as though they're plastics or they're not, they're not, they're not fans, they are fans. There are fans for Villa all over the world. I think we see—is it the Ghana Lions? Uh, we see on Twitter where a whole village is is dancing around and, and to see Aston Villa stuff. We saw when we had um, Samata. We saw whole towns and villages and cities in in Tanzania. Uh, I believe you know jumping around to, to see Samata play in a, in a cup final for for Aston Villa. So I'm not having that these that that, that our international fan base are any less fans than than we are the ones raised and born in the area um these people care these people love Aston Villa just the same so it's certainly not their fault you know they love Villa just like we love Villa
1: yeah to- totally agree with that and uh well said I think that's uh that's a really important message particularly at the moment where when people look to um throw stones and cast blame and stuff like that I mean it's ridiculous some of it but uh We'll 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 move on. I think to um I think we've 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 covered that for now, and I'm sure it might rear its head at other times. But I think we'll we'll move on to to yesterday and and um Aston Villa as it happened would would host one of the the greedy six on Wednesday evening um, as Man City came to Villa Park. Uh, still no Jack Grealish in the team as he continues to recover from his shin injury. But Jacob Ramsey came in to replace the injured Trezeguet with um, Carney Chukwameka taking his place on the bench. Um, Villa got off to an absolutely superb start, had me out of my seat. Um, I said last week that I don't tend to jump around in my living room, but I I certainly did (laughs) when uh, when, uh, McGinn found the net last night. a, A lovely ball over from Ming's superb ball, you know, into the channel for Watkins, and he, he just touched it round the corner to 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 McGinn, who slotted it past Edison. Um, it it probably felt like it was a little bit too early, but it was it was it was nice and enjoyable nonetheless. None um, you know, just an excellent goal and, and and great to see John McGinn getting into those areas.
0: Oh, it was an excellent goal! What a start! I i i scared the cat with my celebration yesterday. I jumped up. <laughs> Um, obviously, the only regret is we didn't go a goal up 20 seconds from the end rather than 20 seconds from the beginning. Um, but that was John McGinn. That's what we want to see. I've I've been hard on John McGinn in the last few weeks because I think he should be giving more. I think he's should be the leader. He's the senior player, and I think um, I think his performance all around was was a little bit patchy. But he got the all important goal. He finished it with a plum, and I think that John McGinn can do that. I think we saw. When he's got uh, Marvellous and Louise behind him, it gives him license to get forward and join him with the goals. And I think um, with Sanson injured and Barkley, hopefully, I I don't want to talk about Barkley again, but I will if need be. Um, uh, You know, hopefully we can see John McGinn uh, push further forward for the last few weeks of the season and he can get another another goal or two and uh, take some confidence going into the Euros for Scotland. But uh, yeah, what a way to start.
2: Yeah, I was the same way. I actually got up so fast, I forgot that the beer was actually in, like, like on my knee when I was <laughs> watching the game. So when I got up, it shot across the room, and I had to, like, as I'm celebrating, I have the towel like on the carpet, like shit, you know. <laughs> so, but obviously, great to see McGinn score. I do think it was it was a well worked goal. And if you actually look at the city body language right after the goal, they all just looked around at each other, like. How did that happen? Like, they're almost looking at each other with this, like, I mean, they weren't, like, animated or anything like that, but you can just tell, like, the look on their eyes. They were very taken aback by this early goal. Um, I agree with Craig. I think that Marvelous, especially Marvelous and Louise back there, which, I, you know, when he becomes fit, I'd like to see Sanson move into that role, you know, at some points in time the sub in, and sub out kind of thing. But I think that give, gives him again a license, just like Craig said, to get forward. I want to see that more. I think he has it in his locker. I think that there were points of the season, this season, where he – was almost like put out there so to not do that specifically, and now I guess Dino's kind of having a little bit of a rethink, and he's he's kind of like unshackling John McGinn a little bit to get more forward. And again, I didn't think he had the best of games against Man City, but at the end of the day, it's Man City. It's hard to keep those guys at bay for too long, especially when he scored twenty seconds into the game. But all in all, I, I was super happy with the goal.
1: Yeah, and then, and as you say, it's hard to keep keep Man City under wraps, isn't it? And um, there was. That sort of cued the, the the Man City onslaught thereafter, and uh, really for the remainder of the match, it was it was played very much in in Villa's half, with City at times appearing to have twelve or thirteen men on the field. Um, you know, Villa simply had no answer, um, apart from just to kind of form form into a low block and hope. Um, but sadly, you know, City did find their way through um, goals from. Foden and Rodri uh, turned the game on its head. Um, Foden's goal was an excellent move. You know, started you know a lovely sort of long pass from from Edison in goal, and you know he, he Foden just finished it so well. Sort of looking the other way, as Jamie Redknapp on Sky pointed out, he he wasn't really looking at the ball as he finished it. It was a really nice finish, and the second was perhaps a bit suspect from the goalkeeper from Martinez. Um Rodri just, just got ahead of Martinez and Mings and flipped the ball over. Um maybe if Martinez stays on his line he he he, he has has a better chance with it. But you know, that's that's the decisions these, these goalkeepers take and sometimes it pays off and, and sometimes it doesn't. Um I mean given our city were playing it, you know, it would seem, you know, there was little that could be done for, to stop them really. Um I mean, it was largely frustrating, but not, not entirely any unexpected, would you say?
2: I I don't think it was unexpected at all. And you got to give respect to City. That's just the way they play. And it, and it played just such a possession-based game. And they press as soon as they lose possession too, so it makes it even harder. And even to defend... You know, City with what they're doing when they're in your final third, and they're starting to constrict you a little bit. Like, a, like a, they're actually like a boa constrictor. They just strangle the life out of their opponents when you're backed up like that. It's it's physically taxing to be backed up in your in third of the pitch like that for so long. So, I mean, you got to give it to Villa. They definitely tried their best to stop this onslaught, but it, it just wasn't happening. And another thing I noticed about City, and I've watched a couple of their games this season, but not a lot. But it always seems like they have an escape player near them. At least that's what I call them, or escape players, to where they'll have a teammate within ten yards of the ball carrier, almost at. All times, and it seems like it's almost telepathic in the ways that they're able to get out of something and move the ball around to just try to create chances over and over again. Um, It wasn't unexpected. As much as I love the Villa going into this match, I still didn't think we're going to win it. I I didn't have two red cards in the game. You know that wasn't on my bet slip. But you know, for everything that happened, I I just think that Villa did the best they could. I really do think that it's just it's a heartbreaker. As much as I wanted to see them win this and kind of you know give a little bit of the two fingers to to you know one of the teams that was going to go to the. Super League it's just it's tough when stuff like this happens but yeah C- City are just a great squad and I, I, honestly I'll, I'll give my hat off to them you know there, there wasn't much we could do and with this the same pressure but yeah it's, it's a little unfortunate but definitely not unexpected
0: I think I, I agree with you there Mark I was absolutely mesmerized at certain points by watching City now normally um, uh, you know I'm too invested in Aston Villa to appreciate anything the other team's doing I'm you know I'm blaming Villa you know if they're not not quite on it, but their patterns of play, their structure. I mean, it, it was like a ballet almost. It was like watching Swan Lake on grass. Um, it was um, it was just beautiful. Honestly, the, the give and goes, the overlaps, the overlows they are, are able to create. And also the ball control. The way that these Man City players take a touch of the football. It's not just, they're, they're also helped by a, a superb way to pass as well the weight of pass they give to each other. It's like Grealish. You see Grealish does it for Villa. He is our one player. I think Troyore can kind of do it as well. Um, but Troyore is a bit more temperamental. But Troyore certainly has the capability to do it. Just where they can kill the ball with one touch, control it, and also maneuver it so the, 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 you know, the, 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 to bamboozle the opponent. All in one fluid movement. And then Grealish as well will do it. And he plays a lovely weight of pass. And we've got one player that can do it, you know, every time. Manchester City had had 11 players, including the goalkeeper who hit that wonderful diagonal ball for Zinchenko uh, for the first goal, for first Man City goal, who's who's up at left wing for some reason. Cash got a little bit caught out there and we're going to talk about Cash obviously a little bit later on. But I think, you know, we've seen some meltdowns again on on Twitter yesterday. I'm not going to address it too much because it's really a waste of breath at this point of view. If you if you're um you know if you're still in the Smith Out Brigade, but I think sometimes you have to appreciate Man City, you have to appreciate the opponent. I was thinking back through the annals of kind of Premier League history. Obviously Arsenal's invincibles with Henri Bur, Camp Pires were a wonderful team. Man United with Tevez, Ronaldo Rooney, they had a great team. The Man United team with York and and, and Cole, the uh, Chelsea team, Mourinho's first team with Drogba, Lampard, uh, Robin and um, you know, Damian Duff and, and Joe Cole and all that, Sean Wright Phillips all all those, all those cats. There have been some wonderful Premier League teams, but I don't remember any team playing with this kind of. It, like a boa constrictor is a wonderful thing, and they're just waiting to. They're just waiting to strike. They gradually strangle you, and then bang, goal, bang, goal, and there's almost nothing you can do about it. Um, so credit. Sometimes you just have to credit the opponent. Hold your hands up and say, Man City are an absolute superb footballing outfit.
1: I think the the problem with it is that people see well Leeds beat Man City with ten men, so you automatically assume that <laughs> that that everyone should have that opportunity. And but of course football doesn't work like that. And you know results like that are are anom- anomalies, really, aren't they? And that's again we go back to the Super League argument and the fact that anyone in football anyone can beat anyone. And you know sometimes sometimes you just get those days where 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 you get a, you get a shock result but most of the time you don't and i think i just got the feeling man city were angry yesterday i think with everything that's gone on i just felt they they went out there with a a point to prove and and villa were the the team in the way yesterday and you know this is the thing but you're absolutely right the the, the quality of the football and sometimes you because you, you you generally when you when you watch football a lot you kind of you're almost waiting for the error, so you're waiting for you know you've got all these quick passes and people joining in and you know sort of knocking it around and you you're just waiting for someone to get their foot in and take the ball or a, a slightly misplaced pass or or a or a bad bit of control, you know and that that little move is over and that happens generally in football you get you get that those errors it's the game of errors. But it just wasn't happening, <laughs> you know. They're, they're stringing, you know, twenty, thirty passes together in our final third, and you can't get the ball off them. And all they can do is is come out to try and win it and retreat back immediately. That's all that, that Villa were able to do. Just try to get back in their shape. And um, I actually thought they did a great job to keep it down to two. Um, I thought I thought, you know, the defence were. You know they stood up strong and they they kept going but you're absolutely right it's it's a it's a joke trying to trying to watch them it's and trying to see how you know how can we how can Aston villa do anything about it and the only way is that sucker punch goal really like we hit them in the in the in the first minute and maybe if we'd have just just got another one before they scored we might have felt felt in a better position but um yeah you're absolutely right it's it's just it's just um, mesmerising at times. Uh, trying to watch them, and uh, yeah, I mean, it was superb. I mean, we did we did have a glimmer of hope um, towards the end of the first half when John Stones was sent off for a, a reckless lunge on 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 Aaron Ramsey. Sorry, Jacob Ramsey, I should say, just before the break. Um, you know, and I think it was definitely a, a, a sending off. Although it took a while to get to that decision. Um, however, it was levelled up around ten minutes into the second half as Matty Matty Cash unfortunately was shown a red for two two very kind of clumsy bookable offences. Um, you know, few few would argue with with Matt Cash that uh, he's had an excellent first season in the Premier League. However, we've seen one or two moments more of late, probably since Christmas, um, where he might have just lost his head slightly or lost his concentration. Um, and this felt like another one of those, really um, something to be to be worked on as he becomes more more accustomed in the Premier League, I guess
0: yeah, I think some of this is is um, is is experience based I think that um the first thing to say is just to just disagree to with what you said andy uh, matty Cash, what an excellent buy he 's been uh, at fourteen million or sixteen million, whatever it was probably he 's already you know, a 24, 25 billion pound right back, you know, so certainly good return on investment. He's had an excellent first season, but he is inexperienced. I think that, um, you know, there's been a couple of occasions, as you mentioned, the Harry Kane penalty, uh, the Man City penalty in the previous fixture where he did a needless handball. There was also one, actually, I think I remember against Crystal Palace, I want to say it was, where he took someone out and it should have been a penalty and he kind of got away with it. Um, so, Lots of this is an experience. You know, this is a right-winger who's been converted to right-back, so it's still a relatively new position. It's a brand-new team. It's a brand-new league. He's not played Premier League football before. So, yes, I think... um, He's he's gonna have to go away and um, and and um, yeah he can go away from the season regardless being incredibly proud but last night was 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 silly it was petulant and I think we've all done it uh, Foden was just Foden is just too good for him and Foden is gonna be too good for most players in the world so he's got nothing to be embarrassed about I think we've all done it certainly I've done it playing Sunday League sometimes you come against a player they're just too quick they're just too fleet of foot they're just too good for you and you give
1: them a kick. Craig, Craig, I've, n- I've never come across anyone too good for me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you just kicked over I wasn't paying
1: attention
0: <laughs> well no yeah, that, well other than other than football geniuses like you you Andy I certainly have have been up against players who were just too good for me and I've kicked him in the air <laughs> uh, likewise i've been the player because I used to play on the wing uh, in my younger days and i've been too good for a right back who maybe is uh, a little bit past his best and he's kicked me in the air you know um so i think what he needs to do is 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 Foden in those close quarters is just too good for anyone so I think you have to probably stand off him, give uh, him, and just hope he lays it off, and just you know, sticking your shape. But Cash isn't like that. He's like a a tiger in there. He's 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 all over you like a rash. And I think Foden was embarrassing him. I think Cash lost his patience, and um, he will come back next year as a better right back. But these are the learning moments. Thankfully, it didn't cost us anything too serious obviously we're not going down we're not getting into europe so um but i do think had we kept 11 men on the on the on the field i think we would have grabbed an equalizer and got a draw out of the game um so i think he's probably cost us a point but i think he's gained us more than that you know with his performances this season so he can be proud of himself overall
2: yeah, I I'm, I'm pretty much have the same opinion. I mean, he definitely lost his head. But like you said, when you got Phil Foden harassing you over and over and over again, I can see how and why it happened. You're going to get frustrated with it. But it doesn't excuse the fact that, that it happened. And, you know, we talked about Cash in his first year in the Premier League. Is there really any other criticisms on Matty Cash other than experience-based or he needs to keep a cooler head? And if that's the case, Villa got a pretty damn good right back back there. And we all know how good Matty Cash can be. But that's really what it is to me. It's just the maturity, like you said, and the experience. And he'll come with that. But other than that, there's really not much criticism on Cash, other than he's, he's just got to get a little bit more experienced, know when to do things like that or when just not to do them at all. You know, I, I can appreciate the fact that he got a little fired up about, you know, Phil Foden running at him all day. And I'll be honest, and I hate, I hate to admit it, kind of made him look like a fool on more than a few occasions. But it's Phil Foden. And I do believe he's going to be a generational talent. We're starting to see comparisons to him and saying, oh, is he better than Wayne Rooney was at that age? I believe that he might be. Um, I think Pep has groomed him exactly how he needed to. With how he's been introduced, you know, at City or introduced at City rather, so I, I don't know. It's a hard thing, but and, and it's a bad mental error at a bad time against a great team, and it's it, it's it's really unfortunate that it happened this way. You're not, I think Dean Smith even said it after the game. You're not going to get a better chance to beat Manchester City, you know, other than them being reduced to ten men. You know, when that happens, that that's your shot. You got to take it. It's just unfortunate that Maddie Cas was kind of the, the catalyst to us not being able to at least try to level the game for a point.
1: I mean I yeah absolutely agree on all that and I I'm a I'm a big fan of Matt Cash and I think he as Craig and, and yourself says he's he's going to be a um he's going to be a much better player I think next season and and the season after I think he's going to be a really a really good um Premier League fullback um but just getting on to back onto Dean Smith really I thought I was quite encouraged by um the change at half time it didn't really work out but he did try and go more attacking and try to take take advantage of the extra man by bringing uh keenan davis on it didn't work uh, keenan davis just couldn't get into the game um but what what did you make of that that's something that we've been calling for earlier substitutions a bit more intent you know craig
0: i think um yeah, I, I did, did, look, Look, there's no complaints from me on, on Dean Smith yesterday. I think Dean Smith got it spot on. He got an early goal. He's been let down probably a little bit by, by cash for the first Man City goal with uh, getting caught out by that long ball. Um, the second goal, you're looking at the goalkeeper. Also, Douglas Luiz has a wonderful chance to clear the ball and put it into row Z um, in the build-up to that second goal. And he decides for some strange reason to try and... It looked like he was trying to poke the ball around one of the midfielders or, or whatever, um, but so you know, no no, no complaints towards Dean Smith. I think what he did was, um, I think he was playing a four-five-one. I think Ramsey was is not a left midfielder, but obviously he fancied Ramsey over El Ghazi, who has been all kinds of out of form. And I'm I have no, as you guys know, those Premier League minutes are gold dust. So I have no problem with um, with Ramsey getting 45 minutes against um, against uh, a, against a team the quality of Man City, but obviously Ramsey isn't a wide player, so he was out of he doesn't really know what to do. And the substitution at halftime was correct. He was going for it. Villa were on the front foot. It was interesting to see John McGinn pop up on the left wing. You know he's popping in balls, and you can see what the what the what the uh, what the focus was. We're gonna get crosses into the box we're going to disrupt them i'm going to ask these manchester city players to do things they're not used to doing uh which is defending those kind of things because they're normally in control of the football and i think we would have forced the goal actually i really do i think we would have got a draw so i think dean smith got it spot on and i think he was also really really brave when cash was sent off i thought for sure he's going to bring on an extra center back uh or bring on Elmo to go to right back and, and push Konza to right back. But he went he went kind of a 3-4, whatever it was, <laughs> or 3-3-3 three, three, three or whatever. It was a th- 3-4-3. Three, three. It was great. You know, it was three center backs. and He was like, no, we're still keeping two up top. We're going to go for it. But unfortunately, 10 versus 10 with all those big spaces... And the ball control—it just actually made things so much easier for Man City because they just, again, their ball control, the way they take care of a football, is second to none. And they—they they were able to keep the. It wouldn't be an exaggeration to say they were able to keep the ball for stretches of four, five, six minutes without really getting a sniff. That they're that good.
2: Yeah, I I, I agree. That's that's really pretty much how it went down for me too. And I, I I do appreciate the fact that. He tried to bring Keenan Davis on because that's the I'm seeing it. I've seen it more and more this season, especially last season. There's no plan B. Well, the situation that we were in for the Man City game, he actually had a plan B. He actually tried to go for it. You can't really ask much more than your manager to at least try to have a go at a team, you know. And like, I, I think that's great from Dean Smith, and it's it's not always just the stock formation. We've seen it. He hope there'll be some players that move around and things like that. But uh, I, when I, when I think about the three at the back thing, I'm just I keep thinking about that video. Clip It's all over Twitter with Mings having a dig at Ross Barkley. And I don't know if either of you have seen it, but he's mad. Tyrone Mings was beside himself. Was that the
0: Kyle Walker one,
2: Mark? I think so, yeah. Where he, yeah.
0: He doesn't, he just lets Kyle Walker just run past him, doesn't even try? I think
2: it was a misplaced pass. I think he, uh, Ross oh, okay. was on, the, uh, I think it was about the left flank. I want to see almost by the halfway line. And he made this ah. ridiculous short-sighted outside pass. Outside of the boot, uh, yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> outside of the boot like he was playing FIFA or something. And I'm sitting oh. there, I looked at it, and then it cuts to Tyrone Mings. And I'm not going to swear on the pod, and you guys can look it up if you want. But he has some very choice words for Ross and some very choice words about the the quality of that pass and like, I, I, I appreciate Dean Smith wanted to do the, the three at the back thing and see how, how it went out. He was really trying to chase the game a little bit. But like you said, at least too much gaps for 10v10. 10 10 and City just played into it. They were fine with it. Even when Villa had very brief moments of possession or trying to get into the final third, it, they were just so comfortable on the counterattack. And there's, there's, they're just so, such a fit team and they can run all day. And, yeah, it's just – but, like, that's my – when I think about the three at the back, it's going to be cemented in my head, just Tyra just snapping on that gum and swearing it right. Ross Barkley from about twenty yards away. I would have loved to see Ross's reaction and look on his face getting absolutely chewed out by, by Tyron things
0: I and that that sums up Ross Barkley. I said I wasn't going to talk about Ross Barkley, but you've made. I me. tried to avoid <laughs> it, Craig.
2: I tried to avoid it, brother.
0: I remember because yeah, I, he had a, he had a fight. He I, he had like a five yard ball straight to Watkins ahead of him. And and he chooses this outside the boot, whatever he was doing. And, and, and again, and I have been saying since the end of January, so if you don't believe me, I'm not jumping on the bandwagon. Everyone's jumping on my bandwagon. I said <laughs> January, Ross Barkley shouldn't play again. Uh, not because I hate him, but because he doesn't contribute on the pitch. He doesn't, He has these weird pass selections. He doesn't track back. He doesn't help the team. Uh, it's not like he's our player and we're putting me in a shop window to sell him in summer it's not like we're keeping around to integrate him with the squad for next season because there's no chance we're gonna buy him so uh, the, the the only plausible reason I don't want you th- you think about this guys the only plausible reason I can see he's on the pitch is that we have to pay like fines if he's not playing. A certain amount of minutes or a certain amount of games. That's the only conceivable reason I can imagine. I can I can, mm. I can think
2: that's probably the case. And I even I, I tweeted it and I still mean it. I would, I would have rather seen Carney come onto the pitch. You know, as a young kid, and you say the, the minutes are gold dust. I would have rather had him just have a go, go out there and have some fun. And I know you're still trying to change the game. You have to be serious, have to be competitive. He's a very young player, but I mean, the stuff that I've seen, he's he's a fa- he's going to be a fantastic footballer. And I just I would like to see now that we're in the in this kind of flux of the season, and we're like you said. We're not going. you you're not going to Europe. We're not getting relegated. Start giving some of these youngsters some trust and faith to be like, hey, go out there, do your thing. Just see how it goes. I don't know. I, I might I might be alone in that opinion, but I was really hoping that that Carney would get on the pitch.
1: Yeah, I thought I thought that as well. I think when when Barkley came on, I think I, I put on Twitter that Villa have gone down to nine men, and um, <laughs> you know, it, it is harsh. It is harsh, and I don't I don't like to to be like that. I'm not. I'm not a fan of that sort of thing, really, and it was a bit tongue in cheek, but you know, we. I just don't see what we're gaining by by picking him now, um, and uh, you know, for all I care, I suppose he can go. He could go back and, and train with Chelsea now because you know he he's he's not offering us anything on on the field. He might still, you know, there's what was it six games left. He might still. Step up and um, and do something in those six games. Is that type of player? He could he could just click into form, but it just seems so unlikely now. And I think now we need to be looking more to the to the future and to next season and and getting these minutes into into players that that are gonna that are gonna be with us next season. And uh, you know, hope you know we say hopefully, hopefully Jack Grealish will be back. Um, and we won't. Who? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. He, Who's was, that? he was having a chat with, <laughs> with Southgate in the, uh, in, in the uh, stand, wasn't he yesterday? But I'm, I'm convinced they said that he was talking about tactics, but I reckon they were talking about call of duty from what I've, that's what probably I've what it is after, <laughs> after that video today. that dropped today. Yeah. yeah. I think
0: Grealish hopefully was telling him, look, do you see Foden? You see me play us together. Don't worry about Sancho. Don't worry about Sterling. Me, Kane, Foden, We'll win the Euros for you, yeah. mate. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah.
1: And I, I I think a lot of people would definitely go with that. It would certainly be very exciting and entertaining if if we we saw and with with Mount sitting in there as well, you know, some really, really talented midfielders, attacking midfielders, um, at Southgate's disposal. Um But I mean, obviously, you know, that there, there has been um an issue. I mean, we can talk about Man City all day. Um, you know, there there were some, some, some villa issues and we've seen this sort of over and over again over the last um you know, well, several weeks really and we've we've commented on it. You know, what is missing? I mean, because before Christmas we were flying, weren't we? Attacking football, creating chances. Is it just grealish or is, is it have we just fallen off a cliff form wise? I think it's difficult. I think
0: Grealish has obviously been a catalyst to this. I think the um, the COVID outbreak. I think we've talked about Villa haven't been the same since then. Um, also, they've you know it's kind of been two seasons back to back. I think that the, they only had three weeks off, whatever it was, and it was straight into pre season. We've seen loads of players dropping off with injuries and fitness issues. Um, you know, from um, as an England fan, I'm seeing Ings pull up injured again. Calvert-Lewin's had his injury problems. Tammy's been injured. Grealish has been injured. Kane has got hurt again recently. So, you know, everyone is... They're, they're dropping like flies. I think the players... All the players are at the end of the line. And I think for whatever reason, Villa just seem to be coping less well than than other teams. And I think that... Um, I think the season has... You know, the season has fallen off a cliff. There's no other way to, to, to describe it. I think that it, it is petering out and it's petering out badly. Um... I don't think the players aren't trying. I'm not sure they're on the beach, you know, emotionally. I don't think they've checked out. I think they're they're trying, but I think that I think that you know, the mind is there, but the body is not necessarily willing.
2: Yeah, and that happens in football sometimes. And I think it's it's kind of hard to answer this question about what's missing from the team, especially coming, I mean, football fans and I've noticed this they they really only really remember the the most most current result and that's against Manchester City so it's hard like, to look at that and be like oh we need to be better than this and better than that but we're not going to turn into a, 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 cl- a club or a team that's like Manchester City anytime soon so I don't know it's, it's, really, it's a really hard question to, it, to answer for me because I don't want to be the guy that's just like you need to go buy quality players you need to go buy quality players You know, this summer and then again in January but like I kind of think we need that, and I kind of think we need to get better depth at the club. So that's definitely one thing that I say, like, would be able to, you know, make sure that we don't fall off the cliff per se. Like, I I agree with Craig. I don't think the players are on the beach. I don't think they're planning their vacations They're already just over. I think they're just exhausted. And, you know, you're seeing it all over the league that you're having prominent players pull up, you know, and, you know, and it's some of them aren't even long term injuries. And that's the thing that, like, it'll look like a nasty injury, or, you know, they'll just, just be out there, you know, just out of breath and i've been noticing a lot like and i know it's a, it's a it's a physical game and you got to run and all those sorts of things but it just seems like even the quality of the football even outside of villa just seems to be taking a little bit of a downward tick to where there's just certain players or even certain clubs you know as a whole being very very tired um, yeah, so I don't know what's missing, man. I I don't want to say just go out there and, and and spend a lot of money, and that's what Villa needs. I think it was a combination of injuries. We do have a decent amount of injuries at the time now. Um, yeah, just if if we could have kept up that pre-Christmas form, it could be totally different. But yeah, it's hard to it's hard to answer the question after you're coming up a a, a world beater like, like City.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think we have we do have to take it into account, don't we? That um, you know who we're playing and so on. Um, you know, maybe maybe there's a case for saying that um, the supporters not being in the ground at some of these games, you know, they just just maybe drive the players on a little bit late on. You know, I see this all the time in games. It, it just feels like games in the Premier League do just kind of die a death at the end, and you know, everyone it's just like a like a training game at times. I think it's a really poor, you know, spectacle and that has to have something to do with the with the the supporters not being there just just energizing those players what what do you think
0: yeah i think that's that that's going to tie into it as well i think um that the the again that the, the physical toll of of playing back to back seasons the physical toll of covid for for aston villa point of view again i will repeat I think it was 10 or 11 first-team players had COVID, and we still do not know exactly how that affects your lungs, your heart, your um, your your, your neur- neurology, your brain in the long term. So that is a consideration. Obviously, it's not... I'm speculating, but for sure, you have to say that's going to have had an impact just because the, the performances have dropped off so far. But I think overall, you have to say that um, the that, 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 that players are human beings. And as human beings, they, 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 they're, not, they're not perfect and they're kind of running. I think some of them are just running on empty. But what we can hopefully look forward to, who knows when, is a Jack Grealish return. Well, he's going to need to come back. He needs to come back. There's six games left. I'm going to say he needs to play at least four or five games to get in the England squad. So, Jack, if you're listening come on home baby come on home, because if you if you want to go to the euros you're gonna to have to play at least four or five games to prove your fitness so hopefully Grealish will be the catalyst not just physically but emotionally for the players to um to 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 kick it up a gear and if we do get some there are some rumors we may get fans in before the end of the season uh, maybe that will help too um
2: yeah but having fans in any sport it's 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 massive you know players far and wide talk about how they feed off that energy and sometimes it does help them out there whenever you know even even when they're playing well and even when they're not playing so well it helps them in both cases but yeah Jackie Grealish got to come home man because he's it's not even for the the results of Aston Villa like I it's now like again we're in that weird little purgatory kind of thing in the Premier League where you kind of smack dab in the middle and I want to see Jack Grealish perform on the international stage. I don't want him being left out over this. But yeah, I mean, who knows? Smith Smith might throw us a surprise, and maybe next game against West Brom. Maybe I'm, I'm not. I'm not too sure. It might, it might not. It might be a little too early. But I think that if there was a game that Jack really wants to come back for, it's probably against the Baggies.
1: Well, definitely, it was one of the targets, I think. But I think it's more likely to be to be the week after um from what from what they said previously but but who knows and uh, it it's just so frustrating seeing him sat in the stands um i mean he looks alright he looks like he could do a job um but obviously <laughs> they've, got, <laughs> they've got to wait and see haven't they I'd, sometimes i'd rather jack grealish on 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 one leg than some of the others on on two but you know we'll we'll we'll, we'll wait and see and like you say we've we've got um the big local derby with with West Bromwich Albion on on Sunday evening at Villa Park. Um, last time out at the Hawthorns, it was a very comfortable three nil victory for Villa. We we totally dominated that game, and I, I suspect it's going to be a very different situation um, this week, given the the clubs either clubs sort of varying forms really. West Brom on a on a on a really good run and scoring lots of goals and. And Villa really struggling, particularly in the final third. Um I mean I'm I was gonna ask sort of how do you see Smith approaching this one, but I guess it's just to, to try and to try and disrupt Albion at, at this stage and, 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 and nick a nick a win somehow because and, and, without a win, it's one of the more winnable games that we've got. Um that top half finish starts to look even more unlikely.
2: Yeah, I think it does start to look a little unlikely if you don't get at least something from this game. But, you know, West Brom's won their back-to-back points. I actually think they're about to kick off as we're recording in about 15 minutes from now. I think it's a 3 p.m. kickoff over here against Leicester. So, you know, depending on how that game goes, and I don't really think they're going to give... Lester a game, but you never know. Big the big Sam effect, all that kind of stuff. But I just I just want Dean Smith to go for it. Try to get to three points. You know, just you know, whatever you gotta do if it's, you know, the same kind of tactics we use against City or, or otherwise. I'd like to see that. I would like to see Carney, you know, Chicken come on the pitch. I think that, you know, he if he's gonna be on the bench, try to use him. Um yeah, just try try to go for it. You have, you have nothing really to lose. You you only have things to gain, and it's. But yeah, again, we're we're at the end of the season. We were just talking about the fitness levels of some of these players, and West Brom's fighting for their life. And to be honest, I don't want to buy Mister Andy Bates a six pack because we have a <laughs> friendly fr- friendly bet on if West Brom stay up or not. And you know these if they find a way to beat Villa, you know it's just three points closer to me having a having to buy somebody
1: some beer. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: I I um. I, I actually am a Midlands football fan who likes to have um, the Midlands teams in the Premier League. Um, I don't necessarily I I would like it I would like it if Wolves, West Brom, and Blues were all in the and even Coventry. You know w- why not throw them all in? Uh, not Walsall though that would be a step too far. <laughs> but um, I would like uh, all the you know I like I like the, the Midlands clubs to do well because um, I like I think it's good for the region. I just don't like them to do better than Villa. So I would wouldn't mind if West Brom stayed up, but um, you know. Villa need to beat West Brom. Let me not, let me not, let me cut to the chase here. Um, West Brom is still not very good. I said the same thing against Fulham. Jack Grealish or no Jack Grealish. We should be beating beating West Brom. Yes, they had a bit of a a lovely result against Chelsea. They've, They've been doing well. But this is a team that we should be beating, whether they're playing for their lives or not. Hopefully, this is Dean Smith's opportunity to mix it up. Maybe this is where we finally see um, two up top from the start as we finished the Fulham game so brightly. And as we saw against uh, Man City when they went down to 10 men until Cash kind of pulled the plug on that system. Um, hopefully, we see Davis and Watkins up top. Um, I'd love to see uh, Kessler at, at, at fullback. Um, to replace the suspended Matt Cash, we don't need to see Elmo anymore. Um, we know, we know. Thank you, Elmo, and and wonderful servant. But you know, Kessler's here next year, and Elmo isn't. So um Kessler hopefully should start um if able and yeah and and certainly um Chucky off the bench and um maybe yeah maybe we can see John McGinn left wing again I was enjoying that maybe we can get a full 90 (laughs) minutes of John McGinn I just liked it I liked the novelty of seeing him on the left Uh, wing. he was swinging those crosses
2: Um, in too man he he didn't look Um, very out of place other than you know the potato body he's got that's about it yeah
0: I, I enjoyed it so um I'd like to see something different and um if 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 you can if, you know if we can't play 442 against West Brom who can we play 442 against um and and yeah let's go let's go win the game let's go do it we need the three points just to just to keep i think some of the fans on side i think people are really starting to throw their throw their dummies out the pram and have a good cry about how terrible Dean Smith is, and how terrible Aston Villa is, and how terrible it is to be in mid-table in the Premier League after finishing uh, 17th last season by one point, and spending three years in the Championship, not to mention the three years before that we we spent circling the plug hole in the Premier League before eventually dropping out on 16 points under Remy Gard. But anyway, <laughs> I hopefully, just to have a win, just to cheer, just to cheer everyone up, and you know, three points that will take us, I think, to 47. And um, I predicted. I think we'd win. The, I'd. We, I thought in the last ten games we'd beat Palace, Albion, and um, Fulham uh, to to take us to the fifty point mark, which is where I think we'll finish. So uh, yeah, a win on Sunday. I'm actually looking forward to it. It's. It's. It, I'll, I'm going to enjoy it. I think. Um, uh, nice to see Callum Robertson actually doing well uh, for 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 West Brom as well. So yeah,
1: yeah, definitely, definitely Villa, Villa lad through and through. And. You know, it's um, it's good to see him doing 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 the business there, um, but that ends your uh your reality check. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sponsored by Craig, uh, <laughs> so uh, you know, but you're absolutely right, and and it's 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 crazy that that people that we're 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 on the on the brink of our best season or highest league position for for ten years, and 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 there are people that. Um, That don't think that's good enough, but what can you do? You know, um I guess those people perhaps aren't happy with much in their lives, but um that's another that's another story. So finally, guys, um first of all, Mark, give me a prediction.
2: Well, Craig's got the gears rolling in my head now about this two up top thing. I mean, is it too much to ask for two up top and Louis Berry on the bench? Is that too much to ask for? I like. Yeah, I like. Is that too much to ask thinking. for? And I get Wesley still trying to get his form, but I think he's still a ways off. But I do like that a lot. So I'm going to say, I'm going to say two nil to Aston Villa on this one. I think.
1: Yeah, good shout, Craig. A two-one Aston Villa win. Okay. Well, I always predict Villa to not lose, as you know. Um, so I'm going to go for one or. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so I'm the pessimistic one this week. Um, yeah. No, that's great. I mean, obviously we're looking forward to it. It's a big derby, and even though we can't actually um, be there to see it, um, I'm sure it'll be. Um, I'm sure it'll be a good match, and both teams with a fair amount to play for, particularly West Brom. So hopefully it'll be a good game. Um, thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to Mark and Craig for for joining me this week, and uh, hope you enjoyed it. Um, if you'd like to follow us on, on, on social media, we are on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Just head over there and and and, and give us a follow. And also you can get all the content at com, which covers the, the first team, the academy teams and the, and the Villa women as well who are at a really crunch time in their season. So we'll be covering that as well over on the website. Um, but other than that, enjoy the game on 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 Sunday we'll be back for another podcast to review that game next week stay safe and up the villa